Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Good morning. My name is Jeremy Wyeth. I'm president and CEO of Treasury Metals. Uh, we have a really exciting story to tell uh, of an asset in northwestern Ontario that really hasn't made the market and people haven't taken seriously. Uh, we have a whole lot of puzzle pieces that have come together uh, and it would be really exciting for us to share this story with you and how we can take this forward. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for joining us uh, on the show this week. Uh, keen to hear your story. How are you and where are you? Um, good morning, Matt. I'm, I'm in Toronto and um, things are going well. Really exciting at the moment and lots happening. Brilliant. Well, brilliant. Look, um, we've, we've looked at Treasury um, you know, over the years and I think it's kind of fair to say this is a company that hasn't kept its promises, isn't it? Matt, I think if we look at the history, there's there's been a long history. Um, there've been a lot of puzzle pieces that have needed to come together. And I think it's fair to say that really only in the last nine months have we got to a point where we have the critical mass to build a mine. Um, so there, I believe there have been promises made and uh, it's, you know, my role is to come in, bring in a team, and really under promise and over deliver. Okay, so when you say that, so how long have you been involved and in, what is this new team? I joined the company in December of 2020. And since then I've brought in uh, about four key hires, strategic hires. I brought in Oren Baranowski as the CFO. We now have a full-time CFO for the first time. I've brought in Clinton Swemmer as VP of projects. Um, both of those individuals have more than 20 years experience in the industry. Oren has raised money, built mines, and then been the CFO on an operating mine. Clinton has done the same, 20 years of doing technical studies and doing work for clients building mines. Uh, my background complements that 35 years in the industry, 25 with De Beers and Anglo, um, took uh, the Victor Diamond Mine through very similar stages from PFS, FS, permitting, IBAs, construction, startup, ramp up commissioning. So really building a team that I don't need to change until we get to production. And then more recently, I've added Moira Kolb to our team who is from the Northwestern Ontario region as VP, as Director of Exploration. And um, she brings about 10 years of really good experience in our region. Uh, and then just a few days ago, I brought in Rachel Pino as VP of uh, Human Resources and uh, Community Engagement. And Rachel has 25 years of experience in Ontario. She has negotiated and implemented more IBAs than anyone I know in the region. So I think, you know, if you look at how we're doing this, um, we've now got those puzzle pieces. We have that critical mass, and I believe it's a new story. And I'd like to move on from what has happened in the past and, and see this as a reset. Okay, so let's say it's a reset. So you've got, you're talking about jigsaw puzzles there, or jigsaw pieces there. So what's the picture you're trying to paint? That's what, that's what I'm interested in because, You've gone and appointed some people. It sounds like a lot of mind builders in there. That, that, that seems to be how you're viewing Correct. this. That was what it needed to fix this. 
So let's look at what you inherited. What did you actually walk into? And what did you identify as the things that needed fixing? You mentioned people there, but what else? Well, we, we produced a PEA in February of this year. And initially, the market didn't really appreciate it. They, they said to us that the resource was smaller than they anticipated. And they said the timeline to production was longer than was anticipated. Um, I've, I've built a mine in a similar region recently. Um, on the resource side, um, we took a decision and we were conservative. We took a decision that when we modeled our resources, we actually brought in a probabilistic and statistical approach for the first time. Historically, this uh, resource, these resources were always modeled only geologically. So we took that and we found certain areas where our drilling densities were not high enough and we need to target that. So, you know, we, we have a 60,000 meter drill program for this year. And to put that in perspective, the total drilling on Goliath in 13 years is 180,000 meters. So this is a game changer. It is way different to what has ever been done before. And all of that is targeted. It's from the resource geologist as to where we need to drill to both convert, build continuity, and add to our resources. So that to me is a game changer. That's going to help us take that first criticism of the resource not being big enough and make that a change. And we want to build this resource and grow it from PEA to PFS to FS. Historically, it has reduced as we've done more work. On the permitting side, it's a two-year process. To, we have the federal EA in place, in place for Goliath, and it's a two-year process to get provincial permits. And then it's an 18-month to two-year process to build a mine like this. So any expectations of this being in, in place in two years' time in operations <clears throat> is not practical. And I'm not prepared to, to make promises that I know are not grounded and, and, and well-structured. Okay, if you position this as a reset, I think you, you, you're buying yourself some time. Um, but the market is, is going to be slightly unforgiving until you start delivering on your promises Right. So this 60,000 meter drill program, are you, is that funded? Where's the money coming from? Uh, yes. Straight after the PEA in February, we did a raise. We raised $17.5 million, $7.5 million in flow through funding for drilling and $10 million to fund our technical studies, IBAs and permitting and corporate. And so we are funded. The 60,000 meter program is funded through to year end. And, and we're well on track. We have two drills running at the moment, one at Goliath, one at Goldland. And in the next two or three weeks, we'll be bringing in a third drill. So we'll actually have three drills running. I don't think in the history of the project we've ever had that. So again, just a, a very different approach. Um, we funded, we're going to do the work that we said we were going to do. And to be honest, to date, um, we've had five press releases that have come out in six months on the drilling. And every single one of them is showing what we said it would show. We're seeing intersections, higher than average resource grade. We see the opportunity here to grow ounces, to grow tons, and to grow grade. Um, and the, something else I'm doing, which I've done before, which has worked well for me, is we're running live resource models in the background. So we have our published resource, but we're not waiting until the end of the year to update the resource. We actually have 
we've changed the process. We now have one QP running all three resources. And as the draw results come in, we adding them to the model so that if we do decide to do a resource update earlier, we can. Um, and also what's really important is we don't get to the end of the year and then get told, if you drilled two more holes in this area, we could model the continuity. I can go back within days of finishing the last hole and actually put those holes in. So again, a different approach. Um, and I agree with you, we do need to get that credibility. We said we would do that, we would raise the money. We said we would do the drilling. We said we would get up to three drills and we said we would bring in a team that can actually build this mine. And I think those to me are the puzzle pieces that are gonna differentiate us and put us on a different path. Okay, so you said something interesting a second ago. You, you said that the more work you did, sort of like the less you found in a way, like you're a mind builder, so I'm, I'm prepared to listen to you. you. You've been there and done it, okay? I, I like teams that have actually been there and done it before. But what what was missing um, in, in, in that sense? Because, you know, we sit here as investors listening to companies. We've done this. We've drilled that. Look at the size of our the opportunity here. And we, we've no real idea if it's been done properly. You do. So what, what did you find that was missing? Well, I think the fact that the resources were always modeled geologically is inclined to overestimate. Right, but what, isn't everyone modeling it geologically? Isn't what everyone does? It is, but when you get closer to, that is very much, in my opinion, a marketing way of doing things. You, you're using the opportunity of pure ge geology to give you the continuity. The challenge, though, is we're going to build it. We've decided we're going to build it. And when you now get to operating it, I don't want to be apologizing for stuff not being there. So we want to make sure we've grounded it and that it is realistic and well-structured. So that, I think, is the difference, is we took that decision. We've taken some pain for it, but I, I see a long-term gain in what we've done because we've actually got it to a point where you know, you can see the last five press releases. This resource is growing. It's not going any other way at the moment. Okay, right. And the you, you've got a, a lot of old data. You've got 180,000 meters, you say to me, and you're going to add another 60,000 meters to that. So what what type of drilling are you going to be doing to basically, you know, I don't know. It feels like, it feels like what you're saying to me is that 180,000 has not been... Um, spent well. So how do you spend your 60,000 meters to enhance what has gone before and, and make the data more relevant? Um, Matt, I wouldn't say it hasn't been spent well. I've said, I would say we have the data from it. It's how we interpret the data and model it. So we using all of that information, we also fortunate that we have some underground workings in, in some of the areas. So what we're doing now is we're building the model and then checking it against some of the underground results. And to me, that is a great um, way to calibrate your, your, your new resource. So that's being done. Um, it's, it's more the approach to how you're modeling the continuity of the resource rather than having bad information. Okay. Um, well, look, can you just remind us what the PA um, told us? Because obviously the market didn't react that well to it. So... Why are you so pleased with it? Well, I think if you were a new investor coming into it, it, it showed us 328 million NPV and a 30.2% IRR post-tax at $1,600 gold. 
and for a 233 million capex cost and a two-year payback period, to me, those are good results. I'm, I was very happy with those results. The message I got from investors was, we thought the resource was going to be bigger. You know, it, it was producing 1.1 million ounces and people were expecting more. And, and I'm, I'll tell you now, this is not a 1.1 million ounce resource that, or mine plan. It, it will be a lot bigger than that. Um, but we need to do the work to justify that. I don't want to wave my arms and give you those numbers. I actually want to do the drilling, remodel it, and then show you that it's higher. Um, we've got the, you know, the critical mass for me was the million ounces, 100,000 a year in 10 years. We've achieved that now. That was an important milestone. Um, now it's a matter of how do we grow that resource, grow the mine plan as well, um, and then move this through the different stages, do the technical work to help us with the permitting and the IBAs, and then build it. So if I, if I look at so peer analysis, if I look at a 100,000 ounce a year producer, typically Canadian, Australian, they're, they're the 500 million mark. That's what we're saying across the board, right? But they've got to show scale. So how do you, how do, you do that? You've got a PEA which shows you what it could be, right? With drilling, I presume, the 180,000 meters, you're going to do another additional 60,000 meters. You, that 60,000 meters is going to have to work quite hard, isn't it, to kind of show that potential scale? So it's not just not just about 1.1 million ounces. It's got to it's got to grow meaningfully from here. How do you do it? Correct. Well, that's where you know a lot of the areas where we've lost continuity. Those answers are not in the mine plan anymore. Those tons are not in the mine plan. So by doing that drilling, and it's all very, very targeted drilling, um, and we're seeing already the five press releases that we're getting those intersections. So it's actually quite, um, it's quite difficult to split between what is infill conversion drilling to convert inferred to indicated and what is additional drilling because where we have these satellite pits that are not joined, um, some of the drilling we're doing is conversion from inferred to indicated. But if we're outside of those pits and joining them, it's additional. But it's still infill drilling because we have results on either side of it. So it's a little bit, uh, we initially said we were looking at about 60% of the drilling being infill conversion and about 40% being additional. But really, the, the reality is a lot of the infill is also additional. So our our expectation is to each, um, each time we go through these drilling campaigns to see the additions to the resource and the conversion, um, and then take this from a 1.1 million ounce upwards to you know, 1.3, 1.5 million ounces as we go through the drilling. It's not a property that is constrained by lack of targets. It's a property that's constrained. It's not constrained. It's challenged by the fact that we need to prioritize where we drill because for me, I want to bring in near-term answers. I don't want to bring in answers that are at the end of the life of the mine. I want to bring them in that I can get them into inferred quickly and make them part of the mine plan. So how much does it cost to add answers on this property? Our drill program this year is <clears throat> about $10 million. And you would hope to add what with that, typically? Uh, I, I would be hoping to add a couple of hundred thousand ounces each year with this type of drilling. Okay, so that gives an idea going forward what you'd have to spend on drill programs to increase the, 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 the resource here. Okay. And I think, Matt, the other thing is there's, 
they're two different schools. I have some investors that question me on why don't we stop the development part and now go back to drilling for the next three or five years and grow the resource. And others that say to me, no, you should stop doing the additional drilling. You've got critical mass and you should build it. I've worked on mines where our life of mine has been 10 years for 10 years. And each year you add what you deplete. So for us, it's a matter of at the end of this year, when we update the resources, we'll see what the market is, is giving value and credit to. And if there is value and credit to growing the resource before we take the construction decision, we'll absolutely do it. If there isn't, we have, we have that critical mass to build it anyhow, um, knowing full well that it's actually going to be quite a bit bigger. Well, there was going to be my next question, which is just how serious are you? Because most companies that come in at PEA stage, they're happy to just get through development and then you know offload this to someone. That that's that's their dream. They talk they talk the build game, but you put a team together, and with your experience, you're serious about getting this into production yourselves, aren't you? Well, before I joined, and I did a lot of research on the company and the resource and the team and the board. I actually met with every single board member and asked one question. Are we building this or are we looking to sell it? And I, if, if the answer had been we were looking to sell it, I wouldn't have joined the company. I came in to build it and that is my focus 100%. Okay. So you've got all the team that you need. How much time do you need to get people to start listening to this? What do you think they're going to well, react to most? As the stage we're in, the news flow that we're going to have over the next six to nine months is draw results. So once a month, we'll be putting out draw results. Um, having brought Moira on board, the next phase for me is to start getting her in front of the investors to actually talk about what we've said we would do, what we've done, and what is still coming. And then with Clinton and the trade-off studies, we're starting to get some good results out of that. And I plan to put that information out to the investors as well. So that's our news flow. And then towards the end of the year, the resource updates. And our expectation is that it's going to, it has taken some time for people to give credence to the fact that we said we would do this and we've done it. And our you know, expectation is as we move through this year with those results coming up, that that will grow um, and, um, and we'll start getting credit for it. You've also got some overhang issues, haven't you? Not, not just retail who may have been sitting in this for a while, but with um, first mining, for instance. So Correct. how are you going to deal with that? Well, there's a perception at the moment, Matt, that um, what's happening is part of the deal, first mining are going to be distributing about 18, 23 million shares, 18% uh, of the, the shareholding to their investors and about 11.7 million warrants. And that's gonna happen in mid-July. Um, we've, we've spoken to quite a few of the, the first mining shareholders. There's, there's two perceptions out there. It seems to be there's a split on a lot of things in this. The, the one perception is that this is gonna create a lot of volatility and the overhang is gonna be negative. But chatting to quite a few of the shareholders, they got into first mining because they wanted a development story. And we're a development story, and we're actually more advanced than first mining at this stage. So, so a lot of these investors are saying to us, we're actually excited about this because we bought first mining, we're getting treasury, and you're more advanced. So our development focus is actually uh, advanced. Um, 
to me, it's a matter of we, we need to get through the, the middle of July and we need to see what goes on there. Um, we have seen, you know, in the last raise we did, we went from 17 to 26% institutional shareholding. So a lot of that was institutional. We've seen the fact that we've gone from two to six covering uh, publishing analysts on us has shown a lot more uh, focus from some of the institutions. And, um, you know, it's... To me, it's a matter of we need to go through the next couple of months. We need people to give us the credibility for what we said we would do. We need to get through this perceived overhang. I actually see the positive side of it rather than the negative side of it. Because to me, that's, you know, if, if I bought into a development story, I'm getting a, another development story. So I'm getting two for the price of one. Um, and it's, you know, that, that to me is the positive side of it. Okay. Let's let's look at the institu- the share register because you, you mentioned that you went from seventeen to twenty six percent in terms of um, institutional shareholding. Um, you're going to need a little bit more than that to kind of bring some level of stability to this. But you've also got to balance that up with you need more liquidity. There's not a lot of trading going on at the moment. So where's again? What do you do? We've you know we're doing a lot of these sort of sessions <clears throat> like we're doing with you. <clears throat> Excuse me to get the message out to our shareholders. Um, I, I think the legacy issue here is something that we need to get through. We've had this, it's been around for a long time. It hasn't moved. And in, in all fairness, it never had the critical mass. So I think we can be critical of the fact that it's been there and say that, you know, it should have happened and this should have happened. But we only got that critical mass nine months ago. Um, and it is taking time, and I, I'm, I'm happy with the fact that it's taking time. I would like it to have been quicker, but we are starting to see more institutions coming in. We're seeing more analysts coming in. Um, we have this event in a month's time, which we need to get through. And, you know, if we, if we get the results I'm anticipating where people see the opportunity to get in to a company that is undervalued, um, he has the opportunity to get in at ground level and be part of a bull story and a success story. So this, this, you're seeing the, the legacy issues about overpromising as an opportunity. That, that's, that's what yeah. you're, you're saying. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, do like, I do like a turnaround story, um, but I'm going to need to see those baby steps from you as to, you know, is it just talk or is it action? Um, so what's the, what's the rest of this year look like? If I, if, I, if I have to look out for what? It's going to be draw results on a monthly basis, but what are the other moments? Draw results on a monthly basis. We are starting as the trade-off studies get to a point where we have um, opportunities to press release those. We will do. And um, a lot of that is looking at where is the upside in the project? Where can we redefine stuff? Where can we optimize certain designs? Uh, you know, we've got examples there like the metallurgical test work. Um, Golden and Miller, um, the MET test work was not as advanced as it was at Goliath, and our recoveries were in the high 80s. Um, we would benchmark that to be in the mid-90s. So we are redoing that, and that's just straight. It's low-hanging fruit. It's just opportunity to improve the economics. We don't have silver credits on on, on Goldland and Miller. So there we're doing the test work to see we have it on Goliath, we don't have it. So we, we're now fast tracking that. And all of these things are just opportunities. We're looking at the tailings facilities. We've actually, on the resource side previously, and this was, we just 
inherited properties or bought properties, we had three different QPs modeling it. And I don't like that because it's different approaches, different you know, ways of doing things. So we've now brought all of that under one person and it's under a reputable company, a very well-known person. So this opportunity for us now is to actually relook at those three resources um, and see how we can optimize those. We're now getting a lot more drill results. So with those drill results, what can we do to those resources? Okay, so again, so I, want to, I just want to make sure I walk away from this conversation totally understanding what your what the plan is. So what I'm hearing is you're going to build this thing because you want, you want to build stuff. You've done it before. Your team's done it before, and it, 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 you know in the region, and that's what you want to do. So is, the plan is obviously what to to get it into production, so you get cash flowing, and then you start using that cash flow to expand and 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 make more discoveries, or to or is it to uh, do M&A or I mean, what, what, how do you play this or how have you played it in the past, which would inform us about what you're going to do? Um, I said earlier, we're not challenged by, or we're not constrained by the lack of targets within our belt. We have a 65 kilometer strike length here that is not, uh, we have three kilometers that's reasonably well drilled. So we have 62 kilometers and that was the main region for the reason for bringing Moira Kolb on board is because she's got that regional experience. So we will be looking at potential M&A outside of this. But for me, it, it, I would like to first actually fully explore our areas. Uh, and with the, the hub and spoke model that we are looking at, we have so much opportunity there within our 65 kilometers. But we would also be one of the few, if not the only operating entity uh, in our in our immediate region. So we have other people that also have resources that just can't afford to get through the process of building a process facility where we can look at M&A and bring them into, into ours as well. But I think first things first, let's get this thing operating. Let's get our areas really well defined and then we can look external to that. Okay, so PFS ready when? Uh, trade-off studies for the PFS will be ready towards the end of this year. So PFS would be into next year um, and um, resource update towards the end of this year as well. Okay, brilliant. Look, um, Jeremy, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and, and I didn't understand the story before we spoke. I think I've got a better handle on it now and I'm going to pay attention, sit back and uh, watch you deliver. And uh, let's speak soon. Excellent, Matt. Thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to chatting in the future. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.